You are listening to the Grove Church Podcast, where you will find a message that is biblically based, relatable, and easy to understand. For more content or to learn more about the Grove Church, go to grovech.org. All right, all right. Well, welcome to the Grove Church. So happy that you're here today. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors on staff. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me to Acts 20, verse 35. If you don't have a Bible or you don't own one, there's one under the seat. You can take that with you today. You're also welcome to pull out uh, the best phone on the planet, the iPhone, and look at your Bible there. Um, so, hey, we're in a series, part three, called Eyes Wide Open, and we're talking about generosity. And here's the caveat to this message today. If you are a new guest, with us here at the Grove Church. We're so excited that you're here and we're, we want to welcome you like Pastor Nick said and we're thankful that you're here. At the same time, we want you to feel any pressure today to give anything or feel any obligation to give. We just want you to enjoy your experience and hopefully you've had a good one thus far. However, if you are a part of this church and this is your home church, I will tell you today that the future of the Grove Church is incredibly bright. Some of the things that God's doing in our church is incredible. It's amazing, but I will tell you the next season of our church it's going to take a lot of money i can't be shy about it today it's going to take sacrificial giving it's going to mean at times that you and i say no to certain things in order to say yes to giving towards the furthering the work of god's kingdom and so today as we continue to talk about generosity and money i want to encourage you that if this is your home church and you're vested in here and you love what god's doing i want to encourage you to be praying about how you're going to give sacrificially with your money to further the work of god amen all right How many of you have a Facebook? Raise your hand. Come on, you're on the Facebook. Anybody here? All right, up in the balcony. Don't leave me hanging, people. All right, there we go. All right, we all have a Facebook, okay? And here's what's so crazy about Facebook. Facebook is this weird phenomenon where basically for most people, you want to post all the good things that are happening in your life. And so like for me personally, um, it's like my cute kid, my little daughter, she just turned seven months yesterday. And now I finally understand when moms would come up to me and go, like, I just want to eat my kid. And I'd be like... That is weird and creepy, but now I understand what they mean. Like not physically eat the kid, but you know, chew on those cheeks and those rolls on the legs. Oh, they're the best right now. And so I'm loving it. It's the best thing ever. And so, yeah, maybe for you, it's like posting cute little photos of your kids and you know, you get all the comments and dude, every parent loves when people are like, your kid's so cute. I love when the kid, when people are like, your kid looks just like you. So cute. I'm like, I know. I know. No, I'm kidding. She doesn't look like me. She looks like my wife. But um, yeah, it could be your cute, adorable kids. Um, could be your sweet, cuddly cat. Enough said about that, right? Um, or I mean, it could be some vacation that you're on, or you know, some game that you won. Um, recently, well, not recently. This happened a while ago now. But Fonda Fawcett, she used to be um, our children's pastor here. Awesome family, Jeff and Fonda, and. Um, she went from being a children's pastor to becoming a flight attendant. And so she, I think she works for Alaska. And so I follow her uh, on the Instagram and uh, she, she posts pictures like all the time of like her delay is in like Maui. And she's like at some poolside, just taking, just taking a two day delay in Maui. Or she was like in New York the other day or some other crazy country. And I'm like, Fonda, she was here the other day saying hi. I'm like, Fonda, stop with the photos of all the amazing places that you're at. And we're in January in the nastiest month of the year in the Pacific Northwest. But here's the reality of it. Facebook, it's like, it's kind of this false reality, right? It's all the 
the good things. Most people, it's all the great things that we post um, on there. I was talking to a pastor this week interviewing him and he's a lead pastor in California and I was asking him about his church and some of the things that you know God's been doing in his church and I said hey man it looks awesome what God's doing in your church and it seems like things are blowing up and people are getting saved and baptized and getting into a life group which that might be a great thing for you today is to get into a life group and so I was like dude, it's awesome tell, tell me about it and he said dude here's the crazy thing I've been here three years as lead pastor of this church he's like and the first three years of being here has been nothing but turmoil, chaos, and craziness. He's like, but the reason why, he's like, the reason why you say this and all my other friends tell me this, he's like, because this is all I ever post about. All I ever post about is all the good things happening. I don't post about, you know, the fact that we could barely, you know, make financial budget this year or the fact that we had to let half of the staff go because the churches had to make some hard decisions. People don't see that. And here's what it comes down to. We're not really honest on Facebook. We're not. And I'm asking you today to be honest. And I'm asking myself to be honest. And I want you to be honest with this. Would you consider yourself to be a generous person? Are you and your family generous when it comes to money? And you have to ask yourself, are we? Are we actually generous? Well, let me give you just some crazy stats that prove that we may not be as generous as we think we are. Crazy stat number one. Most Americans spend more money than they actually make. This is absolutely craziness. Let me explain this. Most Americans actually spend more money per month than what they actually bring in. It's crazy. Here's another one. Most Americans pay interest on things that decrease in value the moment they take possession of them. And because they pay interest, they end up paying more for it. This is also craziness. Craziness. It's crazy the problems that we are facing as Americans. The average American household has more than $7,500 in consumer debt. Craziness. Here's a fun one. Homes in the U.S. contain more TVs than they do people. Now, this is ridiculous, people. On an average, houses in the U.S. have three working television sets. Craziness. Two more for you, just just for the heck of craziness. Most of the population of the entire world, 80%, live on less than a dollar a day. Craziness. Last one which you're going to hate, and I hate too, our coffee costs as much as many people spend in a whole day. And you're like, don't you touch my coffee. Here's what it is. More than a third of people on earth live on less than $2 a day. 1.2 billion live on less than $1.25 a day. Craziness. Now, today's message feels a little awkward for me. I got to be honest, because I'm not going to be like diving into all this scripture. It's very practical. It feels a little bit weird for me because normally I read a a big chunk of scripture and we go through it. We're going to focus on one verse today. Before we do that, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about four myths of generosity. Okay, four myths of generosity. From there, I'm going to define generosity because honestly, I've never had this defined to me in this way. And these aren't my own words. I stole them from someone else. And the last thing is we're going to play a video that I think is going to compel us to be generous. So four myths. Here we go. Generosity 
myth number one, that it's spontaneous. Generosity is spontaneous. This is a myth of generosity. And here's what we mean by spontaneous. You know, you ever go to Fred Meyer, the best grocery store on the planet, where everything on your list they have? Okay, so Fred Meyer, okay? Walk into Fred Meyer. As you're leaving Fred Meyer, there's always like those cute, sweet little Girl Scout girls. Like they're just adorable, right? And so they're standing there behind their table and they're like, do you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies? (laughs) Dude, I'm a sucker for this. Ask my wife. She's like, here's the list. Don't buy nothing when you leave that store from those Girl Scout people, all right? Don't do it, Andrew. I'm like, okay, I won't. And I'll be like, hey, look, I got you the mint ones, the best ones. Which, for the record, the mint ones are the best ones. Amen. But, dude, this past fall, there was this cute little boy. I mean, he's probably 10 years old. He was standing there with his little brother. I was getting the eye from his mom. Come on, you know that eye? Like, mm-hmm. like here's my kid. Like, you know you have it. You're going to do it? And so this little boy, and he plays football, like, uh, you know, Pop Warner football. So just getting in the tackle. And, um, I mean, the kid was just adorable, a little wide receiver. And, and uh, you know, he's like, do you want to support my football team? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I do. I mean, come on. <laughs> and we've all been there, man. We get suckered at this stuff. And they take our money and run with it. Here's the thing. It's random giving. It's sweet. I don't think you should stop doing it, but it's not necessarily generous. And it's not necessarily generosity because it's spontaneous. And generosity doesn't just happen at Christmas time or happen at birthdays. It doesn't just happen when a coworker comes in and said, hey, hey, my neighbor had a fire and we're all putting money towards a, a fund to help them, you know, buy beds. All that stuff is great, but it's more random giving. And here's the key factor that reason why it's not spontaneous. Most people who live a lifestyle of generosity, which we're going to get to in a second, most people aren't moved by emotion. Which we could move you all day long and show you all these cute videos that will move you to emotions to give. Most people who practice generosity as a lifestyle are not people that are moved by emotions. Generosity being spontaneous. Number two, generosity, myth number two here. Generosity is driven by cash flow. Well, on certain months, I have more money than other months based on what bills are coming in. And therefore... If I have the cash flow and I have extra in the account, then I can be generous. Contrary to popular opinion, generosity is not about cash flow. Generosity, which we're going to get to, is actually more of a plan thing. Something that you think about, that you reason with, that you figure out how you're going to do it. And it's not about what money comes in and what doesn't and that changes each month. It's actually something far more consistent than driven by cash flow. Myth number three, generosity, it's, it's the amount that counts. I love this one. How many of you in here are under the age of 25? Just raise your hands. Come on, raise your hands. Now, some of you who don't have your hand up, you're like, you remember when we were oh, 25? I mean, those were the days. You got gray hair, right? Okay, so under the age of 25, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Come on, keep them up. All right. Here's a news flash for you. Most of you who are under 25, I'm sure there's some of you who have this great career job. You can put your hand down. Most of you under the age of 25, the reality of it is you don't have a lot of money. News flash. You don't have a lot of money. Okay. And we all didn't have a lot of money unless you were some weirdo that just saved every penny and now you're rich. Okay. But most people in this age group don't have a lot of money. And sometimes when we think about generosity, we think, well, it's the amount that counts. 
Remember the widow's might in scripture? Let me just read it to you really quick. Here's a widow who, who gives of all that she has. It says that Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him and, and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave, here it is, they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. See, here's a myth. We think, if I can give large amounts of money, then I'm a generous person. But here it is, young person. I want you to hear me. If you're under the age of 25, tune in. You got a babysitting job right now? You can be generous to that income. You're working at Alfie's right now, you can be generous with that income. You're working at Starbucks right now, you can be generous with that income. It is not the amount that counts. Here's what it is. Back to last week. It's about your heart, folks. It's tied to your heart. It's about what's inside your heart. And where your money goes is where your heart is, is what Pastor Nick said last week. So let me encourage every young person in here. If you have money, if you're getting income, you too can be generous with your income. You too can learn the principles of generosity because it's not the amount that counts. It's what you do with that money that comes from your heart. Here's the last one for you. Well, it's rich people that are generous. No, no, no. Rich people are rich. It's a very, everyone say, say rich people are rich. That's right. Okay. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, if I had more money, then I would be generous. And I love what Craig Rochelle talks about when it comes to time. He argues for this idea of, what if I just had more time? Because if I had more time, then I'd be more productive. And if I had more time, then I would get more done. Here's what he says about time. I think it ties directly to money. Let's be honest with ourselves. What if God suddenly said, I'm giving you one extra hour a day. You now have 25 hours in a day. Or better yet, what if he decided to give us an eighth day of the week, which amounts to over three extra hours each day? How would you spend that time? Would you use it for an afternoon nap or to get caught up on last month's expense report at the office? Would you use it for a meaningful conversation with your spouse? Or to get an oil change, finally only a thousand miles overdue, on your car. Extra prayer and reflection time with God? Or online surfing for the best deal on that flight for Thanksgiving? I suspect most of us would spend our 25 hours, 8 days a week, catching up on chores, doing more work, or finding long lost grade school classmates on the Facebook I am calling it the Facebook because I just think it's funny to say it that way. Would you really spend a solid hour in meaningful conversation with your aging grandma or teenage son? I can argue for the aging grandma, but the teenage son, done with that guy. Despite good intentions, I'm as likely as the next person to try and get caught up in all the areas where my life seems to be spilling over the edge. And I think you can apply the same logic to money. Listen, it's not whether or not you have more money. And it's not about whether or not you're rich. In fact, most of us in here are rich in terms of world standards. 
It's about your heart and what you do with the money that you do have. And don't assume that if you get more money, then you will be generous. If you're not generous now, you will not be generous if you get more money. Let me define generosity for you today. Because I never learned this. I grew up basically in the church, but I've never heard it described this way. I think it's helpful for every person. If you have a pen, I would write this down. I think this is something to memorize and live by. And here's what it is. Here's what generosity is. Because the word is so confusing. Generosity is the premeditated and calculated plan to live out a lifestyle of giving rather than receiving. It's going to stay on there for a while. Generosity is the premeditated and calculated plan to live out a lifestyle of giving rather than receiving. Now, as it stays on the screen, let me just break this down for you, kind of word by word here a little bit. Okay, premeditated. You have to think about it. Before you ever do anything in life, you always think about it first, usually. Let me give you an example of this for a second. Some of you may or may not know, but me and a few of uh, my family members, even Marty Ullman, who I think was here last service, we all decided earlier last year that we were going to run a half a marathon down in Seattle. Now, I've never done this before. Probably never going to do it again, but I did it once, okay? Now, here's the thing. The advice that my sister-in-law, Abby, gave me was this. Listen, you got to find a plan. You got to figure out what the plan is and you got to follow that plan because if you don't follow a plan, you're more than likely going to fail. Here's where it started. I first have to think about it. If I want to give generously, if I want to be a person of generosity with my money, it's something that I have to think about just like anything else. If you want to eat better, you got to think about how you're going to eat better. If you're a grandparent, you want to spend time with your kids, your grandkids, you got to think about when you're going to spend time with your grandkids. And more than likely, if you're a grandparent and you don't schedule that like on Saturdays from three to five, you're going to spend that, that time with your grandkids, more than likely you will not end up spending more time with your grandkids. So first of all, generosity, it's premeditated. Secondly, it's calculated. This is a mathematical word, okay? You got to know what's coming in and what's going out. See, some of us don't even want to think about what's coming in and what's coming out because it's depressing. But you and I have to be honest with ourselves about our finances. We have to calculate how much is coming in, what's going out, and what do we have left, and what are we doing with this money, You can't just assume that you're going to be generous when you don't even know how much money's coming in and what's going out. So it's calculated, it's premeditated, and finally, it's a plan. It's a plan. It's something that you have to follow. It's something that you think about. It's something that you create. It's something that you actually decide to do. And I know this might seem so simple, but in my mind, it's not that simple because I have good intentions and sometimes I think about really good things and I may even think about the cost of it. But if I don't create a plan and I don't run this many miles on this day and then this day and then this day, I'm more likely not going to do the race. And here's the reality of it. If you don't create a plan and figure out how you're going to be in generous, you more and more likely will live year after year after year and give less and less to advancing the kingdom of God. It's just the reality of the way our world works. It's a premeditated, calculated plan of living a lifestyle of giving rather than receiving. Why make a plan? Why be generous? What is the benefit for this for my life? Why would I do this? 
Because Jesus says something very powerful about this. In Acts 20.35, he says, In everything I did, this is Paul, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. Everyone repeat after me. It is more blessed. Come on, say with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. See, here's the context of this verse. You got Paul. He's this missionary traveling, planning churches, doing awesome things for the kingdom of God. And he knows something that's pretty sad if you really think about it. Here's the reality of it. He's about to die. He's about to go to Jerusalem where there's going to be an imprisonment. There's going to be him. He's going to get beaten down. He's going to get tortured. There's going to be all these terrible things that happen to him. And he has this deep love for the church at Ephesus. He's got this deep love for these people. And he decides that, listen, there's something that I need you to know. There's rumors of them trying me. There's rumors of them beating me. There's rumors of them putting me in prison. And I will never see your face again. But as your pastor, as your missionary, as someone that loves you and cares for you, I want you to remember this final thing. As we part ways, I want you to remember this final lesson. As I say goodbye to you for the last time, I want you to remember this final lesson. And the lesson is this. It is far greater to give than it is to receive. And your life will be blessed when you have a lifestyle of giving over receiving. Here's what he's saying. Your life will be full of joy. You will have peace. You will have a hope. Your blessed life will be far greater when you live with open hands and you live generously with your money than it will be when you hold it all for yourself and you do everything for yourself. Your life will have way more purpose and you will live a blessed life and a contagious life, a life full of hope and purpose when you live a lifestyle of a premeditated, calculated plan of giving rather than receiving this is what jesus is saying to you i want you to be full of joy i want you to be full of hope and you do this by giving of your money because your money is where your heart is and god is saying today i want your heart i want your heart folks i want your heart and money has your heart And I don't want money to grip your heart anymore. And because I want your heart, live with an open-handed lifestyle. Now, I got this awesome video that I think just says everything I'm trying to say in a way cooler way. I'll make some closing statements, and then we'll be out of here. Check it out. I had an accident and my hip was broken in so many pieces. I have two wrongs in my hip. She's an angel, Manas. You watch her in red and everyone comes in to see Catherine. I know we sound the bread, but I feel like there are some people who specifically come with a request and I go pray for them. One day when we were sharing, she said she was in need of a different car, and her car was needing expensive repairs. I had been saving money, but uh, 
I knew it wasn't enough, so I knew I'll take a few years to save for it. So a couple months later, I went and I said, Catherine, how's your car fund coming? And she said, I gave it all away. And I looked at her and, and she said, there's a widow in need. And I gave her the $5,000. I struggled a lot when I gave that money. And uh, I said, I feel okay, but uh, do you think I did the right thing? I mean, I cannot give what I don't have, so I just give what I have. I was shocked, and so I come home and I tell Pete that we needed to help Kevin with the car fund. He looked at me and he said, no, I think we need to buy Kevin a car. And I said, okay, great. Pete called Scott and said, do you know Kevin at Great Harvest? And he said, yes, he did. Pete said, well, would you like to buy her a car? He asked Pete, do you want to use your new car? And it just hit him right in the face. Why would he ask me that? Of course I would want to use a car. That's good enough. He just paused for a moment, and he said, I want a new car. He said it was silent on the phone for a few seconds. And Scott said, whoa, I want to help. And so he pitched in some. So she came to the bakery and uh, she asked me, if you want to buy a car, what kind of a car would you like? I said, Debbie, I'm not really planning to buy a car. But she said, oh, just tell me. And she said, I'd like a SUV cruise control and she said, I'd like a light color. And he called Scott, and he said, I think I've got the perfect car. So he said, can we deliver it tomorrow? So we have the bread company owner and his family, Scott and his family, and our family. And Catherine sees us all coming in, and she's just all excited to see everyone. And I went to him that night, and I said, let's think really I did have the, the biggest idea when I went out. So, so it's the same thing as before, just play in the background as I wrap up. <laughs> <clears throat> and so we walked her over to the car and we said, Catherine, this is your new car. So, oh, I said, for me, this is for me. Oh, I, I knew God had many cars, but I didn't know me had a new one for me. So, God had many cars? <laughs> we all stood there in tears as we saw the joy on Catherine's face. And we got to be a part of it. And the joy of that was unbelievable. people who would say, I heard what you did for Catherine. 
It wasn't even us. It was Catherine. It all started with Catherine giving of what she had to a widow to help her, and it just continues on. Generosity begets generosity. We don't give in order to receive. We give because it's the nature of Jesus Christ. He gave us his life. So we, we have the, the DNA of Jesus Christ of giving. Yeah, so this is one story I will never forget in my life. Man, I bet when you watch a video like that, you're like, man, I wish someone would buy me a car. No, I'm just kidding. That's not probably what you're thinking. But you heard what she said. She said it's in our DNA as followers of Christ. You recognize that God came up with the greatest generous plan on the planet, right? He decided that we were sinners broken and needing redemption. And so he gave generously his son. And Jesus came in the flesh, died for humanity, took on my sin and your sin, so that we in turn, folks, would be generous people with everything we own. So I want to encourage you today. I want you to think about what it means to be generous. I want you to calculate your budget. And I want you to commit to making a plan of living a lifestyle of giving rather than receiving. Because when you do, you will be blessed. Your life will be fruitful. You will be full of joy. And money will no longer have your heart. I believe it for you. I believe the future of the church is incredible. Because we will be generous like we never have before. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you that you're calling us to live a premeditated, calculated plan of a lifestyle that's giving rather than receiving. And I thank you, Jesus, that money is not going to have a hold on our family no longer, God. Money is not going to have a grip on our heart no longer because we're going to live in light of what you've done for us, God, by giving your son, Jesus. May we live this out, God, and we be encouraged by what you did for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.